But uh, I was going really through in, in, a, in a spiritual way. I couldn't explain it, but for, the, for many couple of months, I felt that whenever I was drawing within, my spirit was weeping. It's like I was crying. I felt the crying in my spirit. And uh, I went with it. I didn't you know, try to... Uh, to stop it or anything because there's been a loss 2021 was a loss of dear friends and there was a loss of many things and one particular morning I've learned in life that when you a stream takes you in the sea how many of you ever been taken in a stream uh, or current you, you don't resist it you don't fight it you sort of go with the stream and then over a period of time it actually releases you. So I've learned in life that when I go through heartache, I just consistently keep on doing what I've always been doing. And I know that God somehow will lift me out of it. And that particular morning as I was just sitting, waking up in my prayer time as I go my study, I began to see Jesus like I've never seen him before. And I saw his earthliness, his flesh. And it just, it was like a revelation. I wrote a book about it, but it became very fresh in my spirit. I began to see the enormous limits Jesus put on himself. How many know that we are limited by our age? <laughs> we are limited, you know, male, female. We are culturally limited. We are financially limited. We mentally limited. Personality, we are limited. Uh, Hollywood is really lying to us. We, all the movies you watch these days is about Superman and super this and super that. And we're limited. And, you know, the moment you begin to study things, you realize you don't know all things. Someone else knows uh, more than you do. I remember when I did cycling, mountain biking at one point. There's nothing so humiliating as a cycling race. Because, you know, you've practiced hard and then suddenly you're in a race and guys or twice your size, twice your age passes you and you go, okay. Uh, no. yeah. So, I mean, you know that life is like that. And to think that the Son of God, at one point he says he could call 12 legions of angels. At one point it says that, you know, he can, he can you know, like the, he, the what is this, the uh, Avengers and the end game, the last movie of the Avengers, is this superhero that could click his finger and when he clicks his finger everything changes. Now Jesus could click his finger and literally change the world in a, in a second and yet he limited all of that in his flesh becoming human. And dying. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to that in a moment. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 6, verse 22. Matthew 6, verse 22. <clears throat> I want to talk tonight about focus. And I'll explain it in a moment. It says, The light 
of the body is the eye. And I'm, if you guys watching in your cell phones, I'm reading from the King James Version, the old King James Version. Thus saith the Lordeth. You shouldn't have done if, that, if, that version. It says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee is darkness, how great is that darkness. So here's the revelation I had that morning. And I was just, and, you know, and I start writing down which I'm also going to preach in a moment, it's just the fact that Jesus limited himself. He focused himself. He narrowed himself. He reduced himself. He held back. Incredible effort. And I had a revelation. Love is focus. Love is focus. He says, where your heart is, there your gift will be. So the principle is this. When you love someone, how many know that ever if you fall in love, you can't get the person out of your head? You are totally focused on that person. It's the only one you can see. It's the only person you think about. And you are totally focused on this person because you're in love. On the other hand, we can say that Someone chooses to say, I don't want to love this deeply, so you know, I will just have flirtations with as many women I can. I will just love the world to all the girls I love before. You know, and I just go, you know. The problem is you never find true love. For true love is focus. We put it in another way, if you're not focused, you're not loved. Okay, let me put it in another way. I had a revelation. It's a gospel according to Jan. But when a young man finds a woman, he gets focused. He decides, this is the one. She's going to be my wife. Usually the women don't like the guy. So then he tries everything. He buys her the best this, and he you know, buys her flowers, suddenly dressing himself, doing the hair, being nice, being punctual, being all time. He's so focused. And then, you know, he works really hard to get her. Then one day, she finally says, yes, yes, yes. And then, you know, he sort of goes on and he works at it. And then there's the, the wedding ceremony. And usually the guy has nothing to do with the wedding ceremony. But to him, he's just smiling inside. I got her. I've got you, babe. I have a lot of songs in my house. Okay, so, so there he goes. And then we have a wedding. And at that moment, the guy who finally conquered the girl, he goes, what else is there to conquer? And he starts conquering a job, trying to get a nice car, and he conquers a home loan, and he conquers a whole lot of things. And here's the problem. The wife still expects to be conquered every day. <laughs> Isn't that a revelation? I'm not that the ladies are just giving me thin lippies. <laughs> they don't want to agree. But I believe with my whole heart, guys, sorry about this, but I think, you know, I say women have a sixth sense and all that, but I think women are born with another sort of radar 
that picks up when you're not loving her. They just know you're not into her anymore. And then they ask you trick questions all the time. <laughs> that you sort of, you know, no matter how I'm going to answer this, I'm going to be in trouble. Is there any guys here that want to just raise your hands half, mate, and go, you know what I'm talking about? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. She's right. I know. Can I put you You see, love is focus. Love means that I've abandoned all else to have the one. I've chosen you to be the one. Now, Talking about a sermon about focus, and I've done many over my life. You know, I usually talk about, look at the hand, focus. <laughs> you know, you go, you know, you should think about this and narrow it down. If you want to accomplish something, write it down. And then, once you know what you want, think about 20 steps to take, how to get there, then do it, and you'll get your target. I mean, that's how simple focus really is. But I've realized it's like the new year, we all want to get into dieting. We all decide we're going to do it. And we then don't do it. New Year's resolutions usually holds about three weeks. <laughs> and then we abandon them and we don't do them. And so this is why I want to go deeper. So back to Jesus, what he was saying here. The light of the body is the eye. If the eye is single, the whole body is full of light. And this is what I got. I was so here. I was so busy on so many different places, and God has given me a capacity to be busy in different places. But you know, you, you push the grace beyond its limits sometimes. And so I felt tired, and I felt, you know, where should I do? What should I focus? You know, where should I do what? Good friend of mine, he came to me and he said, Jan, if you want to conquer something in life, narrow down your focus and then you'll, you'll conquer whatever you need to conquer. And so I was going, but am I not focused? And this is where I, I got my revelation. I always heard, like many of you, that when Jesus died on the cross, he loved us. And yes, that was the single greatest act of love. But what I want to show you tonight is that for 30 years, Jesus restrained himself beyond measure because he had to show us how to love him back. Okay, let me get this one down. Many children grow up after the parents have done everything for them. And when the children grow up, they suddenly abandon their parents. And the sad stories that you hear of being old people in an old age home, of their kids never visiting them. Now how is it possible where the parents have sacrificed literally everything, financially done all the hard work to get their children raised, and when the children grow up, they forget their parents? It does happen, do you know? Well, here's the thing. Love received is only grown, is only nurtured 
when love is reciprocated. Let me explain. To say, I love you. I love you. I love you. And there's a flower, there's a chocolate. I love you. Now we can do that all day long. We can do it all for a month long. But how many of you know that in a marriage, love really becomes you when you begin to love back and you understand the price of loving? It's when you begin to love that you understand love. It's not when you receive love that you understand love. It's when you begin to do love. A young girl came and she says, um, how can I be sure that God loves me? And I was really thinking hard about this, and I think, what, what did God do? Well, God died on the cross. God did all these things, and I realized, well, begin to love God back. And in loving God, you will learn how much He loves you. Okay, let me, I can see you as a deep Let me go a little bit more. If your children never begin to look after you too, and do the hard sacrifices that it takes to love you as parents, they will never love you in your old age. It's a matter of fact. If you do everything for them, they spoil brats. There's something that happens when you have to begin to do at the hard work of love. And in the working of love, the, the experience of love, the, the doing of love, you begin to experience the love within, not the love without. Now, why did Jesus do the suffering? Now, I want you to look in your Interestingly enough, you find in, uh, let me just get it right because I've, I've displaced it in my notes. Yes, two and three. So it will be uh, Matthew 13. And then I think it's also, you can just check for me someone. It's where Jesus shares the, the fact that he went back to his little town. He grew up in Nazareth. Now, there's many speculations about did Jesus do any healings in the first 30 years of his life. And I will matter of fact tell you he didn't do any. In this portion of Scripture, you'll say Jesus ended up, after he now started circling, he was doing healings and so forth, and then he came back to his city, Nazareth. He came to the synagogue. He let the scrolls be opened, and he read Isaiah 61. We all know it. You know, the Messiah came to see, heal and to set free and deliver. And then he says the following. He says, you will surely say this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself, whatever we have heard done in capacity, do year also in your country. So Jesus is saying to them, you are waiting for me to say, I've done healings in Capernaum and other places, you now expect me to come do the miracles here. Well, he grew up there. That meant he didn't do any miracles there. Then Jesus took this very portion of Scripture, the fact that he's the Messiah to come to heal and deliver and set free, and you would now think this is good news, and everyone goes, good news, and then Jesus says, but this good news is for everyone. And he talks about the Samaritans, and he talks about others who are not Jewish, and listen to this, these same Nazarenes, Nazareth people, so all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up 
and they thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which the city was built, so that they might throw him down the cliff. And this is interesting. Now, <clears throat> Matthew 13, 53. All right, so you get it in your notes. Now, what is interesting here is why did Jesus hold back? Now, listen carefully. He didn't do any miracles. He didn't use any of his heavenly powers. He didn't clap his fingers to have things happen. He became a little carpenter boy. He had to obey his parents. He had to limit himself in all these things. He didn't become a scribe. He didn't become part of the Sanhedrin. He didn't become a Pharisee. He didn't become a priest. He became a normal carpenter. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. Jesus did that to show us it's possible to be Jesus. He did all of that to show that normal people can be normal people and be holy. This is big, guys. In the Old Testament and in those days, the scribes and the people in the church were holy. That when you put on a holy robe, you were holy. When you go into the church, you're holy. So Jesus did all this normal stuff for how long? How many you know? 30 years. For 30 years, Jesus held back. He did all these earthly things. And then the Bible says in Hebrews 4.16, he says, so that we will have a high priest who has sympathy with us because he was tempted in all things as we are, yet he didn't sin. How many know that in doing the love that Jesus do that you begin to know how much he loves you? Come on now, let me do that again. How many you know it's when you begin to be Jesus? You give, you love, you share, you preach, you minister, you do good. Suddenly something happens within you that you then begin to experience the love. Come on now. You know, we grew up in a gospel where we sing, Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. And we sing a song over and over we feel... I don't still feel loved. <laughs> but it's not in the singing. It's not in that. It's in the doing Jesus that you find out how much He loves you. Come on, people. Say amen. Yeah. How many know that when you begin to give, when you don't want to give, and you begin to see that in the giving something miraculously happened? How many experienced that? There's lacquer. Have you you when you know, the loss... Chantal, she always puts me on the spot and says, I think I get the gift of healing always. <laughs> and she just goes, lay on up. I go, actually, no, let's see. <laughs> and I go, hmm, okay. And then, you know, and then when you do lay your hands on people and Jesus heals people, how many of you know that you feel God's love? It's when you begin to love those who don't need love, who don't want love, that you begin to understand God's love. So guys, this was to me a big revelation. And as I was sitting here this morning, I realized just how much focus it took to love us. Come on now, let us just for a moment draw in. You know, Jesus, uh, the Nazareth, he was always called Jesus of Nazareth, and the Remember when Nathaniel, he says, what good can come out of Nazareth? So 
Jesus could choose to be in other cities and be in other places and in other towns. Uh, Sephorus was the city that was close by. He didn't, we don't even know of a city called Sephorus, not even mentioned in the gospel. Jesus chose Nazareth. And he did that only so to fulfill the scripture that says that the Messiah will be called the Nazarene. And that means he had some long hair on some of the photos because Nazarenes wouldn't cut their hair. They wouldn't drink alcohol. They lived according to a certain code. And Jesus took all that limitations. Wie van jullie voel? Hierdie dorp is te klein vir my. Moe nie hand opsteek nie. You go... Because, you know, some towns have like a stigma. You go, yeah, I never had young. Here he black. Oh, yeah, here he means. But Jesus embraced that. He took that, he took it so that he can show us it's possible to be in a town where there's a stigma and we can still love Jesus. Come on now. He showed us the way. Jesus I mean, these guys, I mean, if you felt not loved in a school or in a community, don't raise your hands again. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes all of us feel that. We don't feel loved in a company we work for. We don't feel loved in a certain area because, you know, we feel alone and we're serving God and it's hard. And, and, and then Jesus, when he says, I did that. I lived in a little town, Nazareth, which was mocked. No one sort of think great about this place. And he lived there. And he still was perfect and didn't sin. So the point is, the more I began to look on how Jesus restricted himself, this is what happened in my spirit. I became focused. When you are in love with someone, and you are truly focused. I said to women, you know, they have this instinct where they, they feel it when you're not. And I then realized the greatest gift of love is to focus on the one. You know what? Let me do it another way. These days of COVID-19, we've become so busy, all of us, that we don't have time for even the ones that we love. I'm the only one. But over this COVID time, it's as if COVID forced us to begin to love the ones we love. And we began to spend time with the ones we love. And we realized, wait a minute, you know, we were too busy, we were doing too many things, and now we are restricted at home. Some children goes, I can't wait, I can't wait to get out of the house. Well, Jesus remained in the house till he was 30. A young girl uh, came, I think she's a grade 10 now, going grade 11, and uh, we were having, and she loves politics, and so I started talking about politics and things, and uh, after a while she came to me and she says, um, you know, can I, can I just share with you a few thoughts? And I said, yeah, sure, and she says, thank you for allowing me in the conversation we've had with adults, you treat me like an adult. She says, and thank you that you do that, sir. And we were talking and so forth. And then I asked, I said, what is your biggest struggle at the moment? He says, trying to remain perfect for my parents. 
trying to remain perfect for my teachers. Trying to remain perfect even for God. Which is wonderful. I mean, she's doing, she's top six. She's doing all these wonderful things. And I looked at her and I, I had a moment and I looked at her like a father and I said, look me in the eye. And I want to tell you tonight, perfection is totally overrated. I want to say to you that perfection and the, even the pursuit of perfection is sometimes an illusion. And she looked at me and I said, do you know what makes you perfect? She says, no, I don't know what makes me perfect. I said, when you just embrace who you are and your restrictions. So remember, we are, like I said in the beginning, we are mentally restricted, we're physically restricted, all these things. I said, so just be okay with what you have. Because in this life, we don't have perfection. I mean, you know this is true. We just don't. Your skin is never perfect. Your weight is never perfect. You're, you know, you, you buy a perfect car and then, you know, just after a week there's a scratch on it. You know, perfection is not attainable in this life. And then I went, but I said to her, but perfection must be more than this, don't you think? She says, yes, what? And I said, what do you think if perfection is doing something meaningful for someone else? And I suddenly see her face lights up. She says, yes, Wim, I understand that what you're saying. I said, because if you are just perfect, you know, perfect to get the nice prize, perfect to be first in your class, perfect that your parents would love you, oh, that can be tiring. But if you begin to live your life with the little you have, so that it will be meaningful and that you will do something good for someone else, doesn't that feel perfect? And I saw our uh, lights go on and she says, oh, yes, well, I get it. I am perfect when I'm most like Jesus. Are you now getting the message? So the fact that Jesus limited himself to be fully human in a little town that was not nice, that had a stigma, that people that tried to throw him off a cliff, he restricted himself to live there and be Jesus. He restricted himself for 30 years of his life, listening to other humans. There's a psychologist that said the following. He says, it has been now factually tested that adults who achieve the greatest sustainable results throughout their lifetime, growing old with fantastic success, had a period of slavery in their childhood. Did I just use the word slavery? <laughs> yes. Because there's a period in your life where you need to listen, Yama, Papa. And you need to be like a slave and whatever they ask you to do, just do. And there's a time when you are disciplined in that period of time where you are restricted. You don't have any freedom. You know, many young people struggle with this. You may not know it for mutseni. You must never say must. You must give him a suggestion. Don't you think it's a good idea? But don't use the word mut. Then sort of a rebellion, something happens, you know. I know some adults struggle with this too. But here's the thing. Jesus restricted himself to must. Look at this. In your notes, Luke 2, 42, 49 says, I must be about my father's business. Luke 4, 43, I must be preach the kingdom. Luke 9, 22, I must suffer. 
Luke 13, 33, I must go today. Luke 19, 5, Zacchaeus, hurry down for I must stay with you today. Uh, John 9, 4, we must work the works of him who sent us. It's another restriction. I, I like Bruce Springsteen and uh, free, you know that song, free, <laughs> free, born free. And there's something where there's something of us that we just don't want to have restrictions. We don't want to be told. We don't want to, you know, be disciplined. We just want to do our thing. Jesus is showing us that in that restrictions of limitations, that is what grow us to actually be adults. Because how many know that I'm talking about? When you're married, there's a lot of duties. There's a lot of things that you must just do. Now, if you haven't you know, sort of gone acquainted with this when you were young, you won't have that maturity when you're old. Let me drive this point another way. You see, if Jesus didn't do this, if Jesus was the sort of superhero, superman, who just looked at people like Superman, and he knows everything about them, and he did all the mighty miracles, and he raised the dead, and he was so powerful, and he was Jesus, we would have put him up there, and we would have never, ever even tried to become him. Are you getting this? So Jesus, guys, showed enormous love and commitment and focus for you to hold himself back, to restrain himself, to show us how to live a normal life. And that it's possible to live a normal life and be holy and not sin. Say amen. To be in your house with your parents and ya ma and zrach ma and do everything they say ma and maak kamer skoon ma and still be holy, <laughs> not sin. Can I go amen kredo? Okay, amen donkey. <laughs> Yay! And, you know, and just go through all these things, which is important for life, so that we will mature. And here's the wonderful thing. God wants us to do the miracles. God wants us to do all this powerful stuff. But the powerful powerful stuff, I think, follow the normal stuff. How many know that I'm saying amen? When you do the normal prayers of discipline, do you know that Jesus... And there's a whole sermon I did on this that Jesus, the fact that he went onto the mountain to pray, the fact that he spent all this time with God and he, again, he, rest- I mean, couldn't he just say, hey, dad, come whack these guys. <laughs> but Jesus still had to go and pray and spend time. Again, another limitation to show us how we ought to live. Amen. So I want to close. At that moment, I can't really explain, and something happened in my being, in my being, is when I saw his focus, I became focused. When I saw how he was restricted, I became okay with the restrictions, and I began to thank God for it. And I began to say, thank you God for COVID. 
I was this whole holiday time for three weeks. I was sick. I had about two weeks flu. Then I had a, a, some infection that held me in bed for another week. And, uh, and you know, when you're sick, you can, and I'm usually busy. I can, I'm always writing. I'm always strategizing. I'm always reading. I'm always busy intellectually if I don't physically do something, meeting people. I couldn't do that for three weeks. And it was glorious. I embraced that restriction, and I said, Lord, thank you. <laughs> this is okay. Chantal and I went on our wedding anniversary to Kirsten Bush. I was so way, you know, tired and sick that I literally walked from the one bench to the next bench, <laughs> and we did all Kirsten Bush. It was fantastic. It's like I slowed down. I saw things, you know, like, oh, you know, because usually I'm in a hurry. Of course, someone said this morning, Jan, I'm going to play this tape back to you. So I'm obviously preaching to myself. But what happened was, I saw always Jesus hanging on the cross and how much he endured at that moment to pay for our sin, being innocent. But, you know, that was a few hours of pain. Three days. But when I saw the pain, it must have cost him to hold back for 30 years. Come on now. That spoke to my spirit. It spoke to my being. Because it wasn't just a moment. He daily restricted himself walking. He could have translated himself. He restricted himself by doing no miracles. Then he was sitting with Peter. I mean, he's brilliant. He's genius. Just imagine what was been going on in his head Spending time with idiots. <laughs> okay, I mean that in the best way. <laughs> but then he was sinless. So, you know, Michael Jr. is another comedian. It's a Christian comedian on YouTube. And he does the whole thing on this. But he, he goes, just imagine how hard James's life must have been. Because James was the second oldest brother. And you can just... So Jesus is perfect. He never sins. He never lies. He never does any sin, all right? <laughs> just imagine how hard it must have been to live among all the sinners. And not just the sinners. I'm talking the dung of the earth sort of sinners because it was the low life. And then his mother goes to James another time. I wish you were more like your brother Jesus. <laughs> That's why I believe James never accepted Jesus as the Savior until just very late in his life. And then he accepted him because, you know, having a perfect brother. And then just imagine how hard it must have been for James when Jesus did that whole thing at the, at the wedding and he made all that wine. Never from that moment the family could ever be invited again where someone wouldn't have asked James, is your brother coming? <laughs> I hope he's going to be there. You know, it's all these expectations. So, you know, all of this just brought me as a new year, guys. That if we want to achieve anything, we can only do it when we focused. And we're not, most of the time. Because it's only, listen, when we see Jesus and we are filled with His love, where He wipes the filters and the screens of our 
seen so that we can become focused. Say amen. Because it's, I mean, Francois, I, have, I, I wish you would share it, but he, on the phone yesterday, the phone was breaking down and he was sharing a story of him leaving uh, Nicola, you know, in Cape Town. Can I tell this story? And uh, he says, you know, and it's now the second year of their married life. Last year she was, uh, you know, studying in Porch. And, you know, they're newlyweds. They're newly married. You want to be with your wife. But she was studying in Porch. She was on the farm. And then this year she's going to work in Cape Town and he's still going to be on the farm. And he says, so many of the people who now know him, he says, oh, it's okay now. She's much closer. It's only Cape Town. It's not so far. And he went, <laughs> I, I want to be with my wife. And he says, as he was driving back Monday after taking Nicola, you know, for her first day, the new job, driving back, the Holy Spirit spoke to him the same message and says, what a privilege to love me first and to grow attached to me first before attaching to your wife. He says, and he became so overwhelmed with God's love, like he was tonight. Can you feel the love when he was speaking? So overwhelmed with God's love that suddenly it gave him focus on this difficult year. This is my message, people. We get focused when we stand before true love. It's when we stand before him and He's perfect, and yet He loves us. And it's when we stand before Him, we can't hide. There's nothing we can try to squeal, you know, make stories, make excuses. And then that you experience His love. And the moment you experience His love, you focus. How many know that I'm talking about? You know, when Jesus heals people, they become focused. You can't be, not be with Jesus and not have focus. Let me put it in the negative. The fact that people don't have focus is because they haven't been with Jesus. Say amen. So I want to end as a New Year's message. May us all be filled with the knowledge of how high, how low, how wide, how deep, the love of God is. Because that will focus us. Say amen. Because that will focus us.